what, what she just said was that, that she believes that this is directly related to loving our neighbor. And that rationale right there gives anyone license to do anything that they so fancy <laughs> if it falls under the guise of, I believe this is loving my neighbor. Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. I am Justin Gruber. And I am Jesse Gruber. And today we hope you will seize, seize the, the faith. faith. Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast. We have reached episode 102. We are 18 years away from the <laughs> prescribed limit of age that God gave to humankind post the flood. 120? Yeah, I think it was that. I had to do math and stuff. That's what they taught me in Christian school. Like oh, that. man. Well, oh, speaking of schools. KJB only. <laughs> Christian school. <laughs> Back in the day. Hey, man, we came away from our Christian education. Well, much more. Way better than I. It could have been way. It was. It's amazing. <laughs> By the grace of God the and Lord also his word. You know, his word was there and stuff. Man, I got to college and I'm like, man, I didn't think I was smart, but compared to these guys. <laughs> my teacher well, must like me. Speaking of education. Nice segue. Yeah, man, no problem. Uh, we are going to be discussing tonight. Um, well, we're a little behind, but we're going to discuss Jen Wilkin and uh, the Gospel Coalition's, uh, I guess, good faith debate on education. Um, I guess it's what we call it. They were, they were looking at <laughs> how do you educate your kids? And they had Jen Wilkin and these two other dudes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they were good. It was, they, they, were, they were great. Jen Wilkin said things. And we're going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, think, things were said very gently, mildly, and meekly. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna try to break perhaps this. even gently and lowly, mm. Lee. lowly, mm. lowly, meek, meek and mild, low, gentle and lowly, like a child. Yes, <laughs> God of angel armies. <laughs> Is that the same song? No, it's just contrasting oh. the two ideas. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think that's the same song. So we're going to try to break this up into two episodes. We're going to address, uh, generally speaking, the two positions taken in the uh, introduction here. The, the opening arguments, if you will. Yeah. If you, if you could call this a debate, they would be called opening arguments. Right. But this is this is much more of a gentle push-pull conversation. I mean, let's grab a latte and, uh, and uh, skinny jeans and <laughs> chat. And they're going to, do, to outline their positions. And, and we'll talk just, we can talk probably just from there uh, for this episode. And then we'll go into more when they break down into these, what I would call these nuanced topics. Noir. Yeah, where they're kind of going back and, f- back and forth. But it exposes a little more of the application of their, their starting framework, I think, when you look at these next questions. But there's plenty to deal with just in unpacking their main premises. Agreed. Agreed. So what we're gonna do is do like a little live listen. We'll uh, we'll play some of that, and uh, we we'll, might talk over the you know boring parts. Um, but when there's something that needs to be addressed, we'll give it a little old and um, and then we will oh we'll talk gosh. about it. We should do all of these topics. Oh my gosh, there's so many. I, I didn't even know they existed. Well, that's because they broke it up. They added those later. You know, they did the whole debate, and then they're like, oh, this is a topic. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, like like for these good faith debates on the Gospel Coalition's website. Oh, they have a lot of them? Yeah. How, oh, could, how should Christians think about gun control and the right to bear arms? I can tell you how to is do it. Is woke church a stepping stone to theological compromise? Absolutely. Absolutely it is. <laughs> should the pro-life movement be holistically womb to tomb or narrowly womb focused? Womb, uh, womb to tomb. tomb. I mean, that's just biblical. Uh, how, should the church are, works. <laughs> how should the church address racial injustice by not addressing it? Should we insist on uh, No, no, they should address racial injustice in Christ. Christ, the yeah, same well, way yeah, every well, sin is way, not, addressed. 
is. Not the way the TGC wants you to do it. Oh, my goodness. Should we insist on a theological and historical definition of evangelical if many self-described evangelicals see it primarily as a political identity? Who thinks of these questions? This is how you know that someone's fat and happy. They can they have the time to think of these stupid questions. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you know, uh, reach out to us. Let us know. Should we do one of each of these? Because we could <laughs> oh, make man, a living could destroying these ones here with the Bible. Forever. God's should, word first. Should Christians support tougher immigration laws? Oh, I want to do that one. <sighs> we should, we'll step in every can of worms here. Look, we'll open oh, them up. We'll so let them cans, but only let the worms feet. wiggle out and oh. try to get them back in the can. Never get them back in. Oh well, can't get the worms in the can. They're just wiggling. Then you just got worms everywhere. Yep. Good faith worms. Earthworm Jim. <laughs> one day. All right. Let's get this going, Jess. Yep. Let's uh, let's give it old starty arty here for the Gospel Coalition's Good Faith Debate on Education and Sending Your Child to Public School. Yes. The topic is, should Christians send their kids to public school? That's how you know it's a serious topic. Welcome to TGC's Good Faith Debates. These are a series of conversations designed to help you navigate difficult and maybe even polarizing issues in contemporary life and culture. My name is Jim Davis, pastor of Orlando Grace Church, and it is a privilege to be able to be here. And You know what? He would think it's a privilege. He would think that. Yeah, more like his white privilege. Yeah, you know that you have white privilege if your suit jacket matches your suede shoes, and his does. Moderate these debates. The topic at hand today is the education of our children. This is a very passionate and complex issue because this involves those that we love most in the world. And it's complex because there are many different variables based on conviction and context and finances and family dynamics. Certainly not, certainly not any biblical application. I was going to say, some of those probably should be God's word and <laughs> yes. what it says to do. I would say at least one of those should be we had, God's word. Well, it's con- I guess he kind of lumped it into conviction, but then there was a lot of other No, you have a conviction about God's word. But not, yeah, okay, well, I see what you're saying. So I appreciate today that we get to have Jen Wilkin and Dr. Jonathan Pennington join us to talk about this very important issue. Jen Wilkin is a Bible teacher and author in Dallas, Texas, mother of five. Dr. Pennington is a professor at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, a pastor and father Theological Seminary, the only one. Thank you so much, both of you, for joining us today. Oh, no problem, sir. No problem. So, Jen, we'll start with you. All right, and this is where we get to Jen Wilkins' opening statements. Her outline of her um, views on education, general general arguments. The only thing I want to preface this section with is that there were clips of, of this section floating around and, and of the of kind of clips from the entire debate. And the, the concern from Jen Wilkin and basically every other very soft person in the world, soft evangelical person in the world, was that they were taken out of context. And maybe it's fair to like give background to Jen Wilkin as well. Like, she is white. That's all you need to know about. It, that's not true. You're you're really stuck on race. I'm I'm starting to think you're a racial essentialist, and that's really making me concerned. Maybe we should have a good faith debate about it. Okay. Uh, well, Jen Wilkin, we we do appreciate <coughs> some of the resources Jen Wilkin has uh, put out into the world, um, and we don't want to besmirch Jen Wilkin, but we are concerned like her character or anything, but we are concerned that the views she's espousing in this debate ability to approach the word and think rationally and logically on it. And then her about this topic, 
<laughs> she's done very well about explaining and and be, when she is exegeting, she seems to be much more consistent. But as somehow you pull it into practical application, and suddenly all the exegesis just goes. Where is it? I don't even know. It was where like did, a vacuum. Where did I put my exegesis? It was an exegesis sucking vacuum. Um, this and, good faith debate was, <laughs> and. And there's like so there's some other background. I mean, she does go to a church that really struggles through how to identify properly do church discipline of an elder, <laughs> of an elder, <laughs> Mr. Chandler, being that pastor. Um, and and at this point, um, I, I want to say that we would you know use her resources cautiously. And uh, if she's going to be giving out an education resource, I may have some questions about it. And uh, we should probably really just yeah. Well, the other thing is is that th- this. The idea that Jen Wilkin is is pro public school shouldn't surprise anybody. I mean, I've, I know I've known this for a long time. She's been an advocate for for that stance, and I came across some of her resources, ironically, also with the Gospel Coalition, um, regarding her views on public education and why she thinks that it is what your what your kids should do if certain things align. Um, so I, I don't want to think that I don't want anyone to think that this is novel. She's thought these this way for a long time. What is your perspective on this issue? Well, my perspective is heavily autobiographical. Um, Our kids did go to public school, and uh, not only that, but my family is filled with public educators. Uh, My mother taught in the public school system at all levels, all of her career. My father served on the school board in our hometown. Um, My siblings and I were all public school educated. I have a brother who is an assistant principal at a public high school. I have a brother who was in the inaugural class of Teach for America. He taught a year in Bedford-Stuy in New York City and a year in rural Arkansas and ended up with a teaching career in rural Arkansas. Um, Yeah, my sister-in-law teaches at the middle school in my district right now. My mother-in-law is a retired teacher. My daughter is a chemistry teacher who's taught in the public schools. And I have a nephew who's going to be a history teacher. So there, we're we're all in on the public schools uh, in our family. And you can. She's all in on the public schools in her all <laughs> in. family. It's almost as if there could be nothing negative to say about public schools because so much of Jen's family is is touching the public school realm. from her brothers to her children to her, her parents to her father's cousins, cousins, cousins like, brothers. I think she had a pet in there that's teaching yes. in the public schools. Everybody's teaching public schools. Her bearded and, dragon is also. In- and you know, it's funny because I was really thinking, like, it'd be really awesome. We have um, uh, three educators in our school, in our church, that it would be really cool to talk to them and kind of get their perspective. Ironically, we know that the only one of them that has children old enough for school does not send their kids to the public school system. Actually, there is a statistic on that, actually. Yes, there is. very thing. So a a public school parent is twice as likely to not have their children in public education than they are someone who is not a public school parent. Well, when you're inside of a sinking boat, the first thing you can think of is, I should probably save my family. Women and children first. (laughs) Let's get them out of here. Women and children first. (laughs) So uh, that doesn't make any sense. But I do. I think it's important to point out that she's definitely invested uh, in the in the public education system. And to have that level of investment, I mean, while it does not necessitate utilizing that resource, it does seem to at least indicate uh, the the thinking that is already on, on the table. All right. was in full-time outward-facing ministry 
that was met with a lot of raised eyebrows through the years, um, especially when you have a, a larger than average number of kids. People immediately assume that if you were a person of strong religious convictions with a large family, you are either homeschooling or doing private school. For good reason. Uh, and we didn't. And we did uh, choose public school out of conviction. But I always like to make clear up front that we did not have any special considerations in that. Our kids um, did not have learning disabilities. There were no special concerns that might have played into that decision for us, and I'm very sensitive to that. Not only that, in we other always words, lived near excellence. There was no reason for it. So I would <laughs> I never say everyone should choose public school, uh, but I would say that we should try really hard to, if at all possible. She's not saying everyone should send their kids to a public school right but if you she should try really really hard if you can really really hard to and get your kids into she, public she's about school. to tell us why actually, so i know it's just intriguing i just want to say and in a good faith debate we can say she's not saying that everyone should but we don't want to misquote her if everyone could that might be all right <laughs> <laughs> all right all right go ahead jen continue she's, she's not placing any moral value to it she's not steering your conscience but, but if she is saying. she were god um <laughs> <laughs> that's the way she would do it thank you jen. all right and now and now so we're about to resume and she's about to tell us why um she thinks that we should really try that we should quote try really hard to if at all possible um, because we believe in the public school ideal uh, we believe that education is a right. It's necessary for human flourishing. It's good for society. Uh, it's a mark of civilization that you have an educated uh, citizenry. And so if that is something that you can see, then you would value that you would have quality education for everyone, if at all possible. And we believed that our participation in the public school system was directly related to loving our neighbors and so if we could opt in at all then we absolutely wanted to uh, so we did we opted in and um, i would say that B before <laughs> i was like when are we going to stop it here she's got to say things well it looked like she was going to keep going and she did keep going but <laughs> i feel like we should stop. just take a pause for a second all right momentary pause so what what she just said was that and this is not uncommon for those associated with the Gospel Coalition to say that this is directly, that she believes that this is directly related to loving our neighbor. And that rationale right there gives anyone license to do anything that they so fancy <laughs> if it falls under the guise of, I believe this is loving my neighbor. <laughs> and the, yeah, so that's the kindness of the world or, you know, the, fifth, the, tenth, the 11th commandment, right? Be nice, right? There's that fit that fits right in there, and that yes. is definitely modus operandi uh, for for the TGC. Generally speaking, um, when when you think about should, why should we close churches because it's loving our neighbor? Why should we send our kids to the state because it's loving our neighbor? Why should we give reparations uh, to love our neighbor? Why should we be inclusive to gender dysphoria? Oh, to to love our neighbor. Why should gay people be allowed to be pastors? Oh, well, it's the best way to love our neighbors in that way. Why is it that, you know, 
pedophilia is such a problem when we should allow pastors that have, you know, molested children to to repent and move forward in their ministry. Well, they love our kids and we should love our neighbors. <laughs> it's like this is not a catch all <laughs> for whatever the heck you want to do. That's what you think. <laughs> um, her identifying that and this is it's not honestly I get loving your neighbor. I don't I don't have a problem with loving your neighbor. It's commanded. I, I encourage you to love your neighbor. But if you're not going to incorporate the truth, you are lying to your neighbor. Now there there is a there so there's there's a difference here and it's it's very subtle. But this is would you say it's nuanced? Uh it is nuanced, <laughs> yes. It's it's very subtle that when we that when we as Christians and as educated Christians as Jen Wilkin is, or as someone who's grown up in around Christianity for all their life, throws out this term, right? Loving your neighbor. Is she quoting the Bible? Yes. Is she quoting a Bible verse or, 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 or saying that has a specific context to the thing with which she is talking about? Absolutely not. No. So she is not. We should, we should love our neighbors. That scripture has context. That scripture was given to us specific people at a specific time. We need to understand the, uh, the original authorial intent. All of these things she covers in, uh, in uh, what Women, of the word. Women of the Word. All, all very, of these very, things. Very all of these edu- exegetical yeah. tools that she just yeah. threw out the window yes. to now bring this into your and my homes and her home as well and try to apply the concept of what she thinks loving our neighbor because see, that's the thing, Justin. Loving our neighbor is never what we think our neighbor should get is what we do to love them. Because love has a definition and love has a standard, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, The golden standard of love, in fact, the sole standard of love is God. Is God, yeah. Yeah. And so we have to then look at what God has to say about the issues that we're talking about, if we can. You know, some things, obviously, like, you know. I'm going to remember this exact conversation. I'm going to ask you a question later when she describes why she thinks she's loving her neighbor. Because I find it to be wildly historically and biblically inaccurate. (laughs) Yes. So, so, I mean, there's, there is very progressive, there is very progressive language in the way that she talks about why she thinks that public school should really be tried to be attended by Christian families. Um, You know, um, oh man, it was just, it was just in my head. What did she say? She said that, that education is a, is a human right. Um, you know, that, that there's, there's a responsibility for us as a nation to, to provide education for our children, that it's a, um, it's, it's necessary to provide a useful citizenry. I don't actually disagree with that. I think education, I think when Paul talks about training up your children, that's exactly what he thought. He was borrowing that word from the Greeks and that word specifically applied to building up a good citizenry, but you don't, Never mind. I'm injecting my, I'm injecting. You're going to go, you're going a little far. I know, I am. All right. All right. Uh, Continue on, Jen, before Jesse diatribes and. Keep on digging this hole. <laughs> Someone stop it. Take the shovel. At, um, one of the big things that helped us to be able to say yes to the public schools was uh, that we believed that worldview came from your home. Your worldview and your values came from your home. And I think that that's what everyone believes in the education debate. But I don't know that the public school parent always gets credit for that perspective. Because that wasn't the public school parent's idea. That was God's idea. Why should the public school parent get get credit for that? Because Jen Wilkin is a public school parent. I got it. Gotcha. All right. 
Uh, we did not think that it was a simple matter of just sending them off to get educated and then everything would sort of fall into play. The church would pick up the, the slack on whatever they needed to get for their Christian worldview. Jeff and I are um, nerdy Privileged? people no. who like to learn. Nerdy. And so our children's love of learning in all likelihood, or in fact, I hope, came from the ethos that was in our home. And we knew that that would be a factor in the way that they inhabited a public school space, that if they were in a classroom where that love of learning was not being particularly um, amplified, that we could pick up the slack at home. We definitely had lots of conversations about everything that they were learning and uh, the social elements as well. Uh, but because the education, the quality of education piece was not a question for us, we knew they would get an excellent learning experience and we welcomed the social aspect of it, the public schools were uh, an easy yes for us in the space that we were in. So the kids were... So the public schools were an easy yes for Jen Wilkin. She believes that theology, the, the biblical character of the child comes from the home, which is a biblical concept, I, I believe is a biblical mm -hmm. concept. Um, but she does not answer the question a um so if the biblical worldview comes from the home and the time spent at home or even around a biblical worldview um is wildly decreased by replacing the um presence of a either i either a the parent or b for um, uh, a christian educator um, is if that is being replaced by someone who is educated and trained in the ways of the state and the state's policies, um, I feel like that might be considered almost some kind of, I don't know, disservice perhaps to lend to um, the perhaps efficacy maybe of the, of the attempt to imbue a biblical worldview at home if you then place them outside of the home or outside of that worldview for an extended period of time? Are you tracking with me? I'm tracking with you. What I, what I want to be cautious to say is that there is certainly a realm in which that child will be receiving good instruction that can, that it can be building off of what they're already learning at home. If the home is indeed the foundation and any, if the home is the foundation, as the home stacking those bricks from the school, they can be stacking them correctly. They can take any of the misshapen bricks and reshape them so that they fit the truth of the foundation. I don't think that's exclusively, mutually exclusive. Where, where is the foundation coming from? The home. Oh, okay. All right. Went all Didn't I say that? Public I did say that, right? Uh, yes, I just I do have my own personal doubts that um, it's less like a misshapen brick here and there, and more like a building a whole different kind of building type thing. Well, well it does depend on where you're sending your child. Well, yeah. School. <laughs> For instance, if you live in a very upper middle class um, Texas uh, metropolis, you could probably find a pretty good public school district with very highly educated public school teachers yeah but absolutely horrid word worldview <laughs> hard hard worldview anyway carry on i just want everybody to know that that 
<clears throat> even though I am anti homeschool, I do not think that or anti public school rather. I'm very pro homeschool. Um, <laughs> that I that I hold a position where a child cannot flourish in a public school setting. I do not hold that position because I think that that's that's not true. I just want to say that. I want to clear the air. Um, some of the issues that are now more emerged in those spaces were emerging already in emerging spaces. at that time. And so some of the things that we felt were beneficial was that we knew we had to have conversations early. Uh, we did not delay on talking about difficult uh, or controversial subjects. I just have a question for you. you. Your kids are in Christian school now, right? Correct. Christian school. Do you delay having any sort of you know, important cultural or social or political conversations for your kids? You're just like, I will table that for later. No, not at all. Oh, like okay. we're talking, she's, her. she's saying that the, what it, 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 she's saying that the education she, she put her, her children through gave her, um, an access to having these types of interactions more or less. Sure. Is what she's saying. Yeah. Which is obviously, she states it plainly more plainer later. Right? Yes. Obviously this is true, but the question is, is this the only way to have those interactions? <laughs> Or is it even the best way to have this? Also a good question to ask. And we knew what was going on with the curriculum as well. We had firsthand knowledge of what was going on in those spaces, and we worked hard to make sure that we were up to speed on that. It helped that we had a family member who's in the district who could help us sort through what was fact and what was fiction when everything was blowing up in like a Facebook discussion group in the community to sort of sort out what was really going on. Um, but one of the big benefits that came from having children in the public school system from our perspective was they had an exposure to such a broad array of kinds of people so that when we had conversations about something that was going on in the culture um, or even the, the hot button issues right now like, like sexual orientation, gender identity, all of that, um, those were not just categories that we talked about, those were people those were friends, that was an embodied truth, that was someone who sat next to them in class, or it was a teacher. Uh, and so... <sighs> yes, and this, this is exactly, this is her going <laughs> I was into more detail. This, this, is, this, is, this is her going into more detail about what she meant by the, the previous thing. That I just wanted to say, and that's the purpose of education, in a very sarcastic tone, because that's not the purpose of education. As a matter of fact, she never actually tells us what the purpose of education is, but she definitely carves out education and biblical worldview and instruction. She definitely puts those two things in different pots here. That's correct. And yes. and we'll see that Dr. Pennington will do will not do that. He will actually put them into the same. Makes a, a much better, as a matter of fact, the first time a Bible will be opened is by Mr. Dr. Pennington. So. We were able to humanize those conversations. So important. And, um, and that was really a gift. Not only that. I'm so sorry. There's so many more ways to do this. Like it's it's just <laughs> just as a parent, if you're like, I'm going to send my kids to public education so they can get a wide array of views and interactions and experiences with things that happen in the world. If you think that that's the way you can do that, or that's the only way, or that's the best way, you're wrong. There are so many other good, helpful ways to have your kids interact with that, right? And look, your kids might still be weird like Jesse's kids, you know, or they could be, you know, perfectly normal like some other people's kids. I'm just kidding. I totally just wanted to tease Jesse. And I picked the worst time because what you can't see is he got a hair in his mouth. He couldn't <laughs> respond. <laughs> oh my gosh. But there's this is not exclusive to public education. 
I feel like Jen Wilkins' next sentence is going to be like, yeah, like when we were trying to talk to them about heroin, we were just like, you know, you need to go out and experience heroin so that you really can understand the human experience of heroin. We wanted to take the mystery out of drugs, so we just rolled a joint the other night and Thursday, and we just made sure all the kids had a nice little toke. Yeah, right after we... This is know, horrible. This is not how Jen Wilkins sounds, Bible, nor is it something Jen Wilkins would do. <laughs> this is not... To, this is just a joke. This is just humor. All right. But it is an analogous argument. <laughs> They were around children from different socioeconomic levels. They were around children um, from different uh, racial communities. They were around um, special needs children. Uh, that's one of my favorite things. I just want to say this, because it, it, there are so many inconsistencies with Jen Wilkins' train of thought here that it's impossible to really even try to follow them, let alone critique them. But um, earlier she said that, you know, when she acknowledges that public school is is one of is is an option that she would recommend would really recommend to christian parents she said one of the things that she acknowledges is perhaps a barrier was special needs children well here the special needs kids are doing just fine in her school district even if you have special needs that's no barrier and as a matter of fact and i know this for an actual fact at least in our area is that the public education system has more quote-unquote resources for special needs children than Christian schools generally because they have far more funding than Christian schools. Correct. And a lot of times, you know, other than the parent being there, the parent is the one looking for support. And so you don't really have that in homeschool necessarily either. Right. At least not in the same way. Right. But yeah. You'd think a church might be able to aid them. You know what? Children you would with special think. needs are actually in in with the other children. They have a buddy system to oh, help the these system. kids and they're they're visible in the lives of these kids. No every child day. left uh, behind. So they also had exposure to kids you, whose home situations were very different than theirs. And one of the things about a public school experience is... One of the things that I, as someone who grew up in a private Christian school, really wish is that I had the ability to understand, you know, the myriads of different life situations that, that, that exist. You know, I want to know what a... What, a, what an Indian child is, is feels like when they come over to America and, and, and join a school. I feel like that was probably integral to my understanding of really just humanity. Hmm. Humanity, you say? Yeah, the human experience. The human experience. It's a, it's a right. Dang e it. Education? Education, it's a right. I think that's a stretch. Okay. No Jen one is doesn't. really pretending. It's all right out there. And no one, no one is pretending in the public schools, Justin. I said, yeah, first, as soon as you hear that, the first thing you say is, I mean, except for the kids that think they're, think they're you know, <laughs> the dudes that think they're chicks and the chicks that think they're, they're dudes. dudes. Except for those. Don't forget about the ones that, right. you know, even in a couple of our school districts around here, there's litter boxes and bathrooms and stuff like that. It's, and it's like, uh, I think somebody's pretending. <laughs> here's, boy, I feel like there's lots of pretending going on. But you know what? Let's, let's continue to hear what she has to say. And so our kids knew very early what it meant to be aliens and strangers. And that was something that we we're able to say to them was something, a feeling to welcome, not a feeling to push away. That the more different you feel from the people around you, um, assuming that those differences are rooted in a, in a Christian conviction, then the more you can know that you are probably being conformed to the image of Christ. This is the second time I've heard her say that. I'm going to back it up because I still have absolutely no idea what she's trying to say. It's Assuming a good, let's, that let's those get differences it. are rooted in a, in a Christian conviction, then 
that the more different you feel from the people around you. The more different you feel from the people around you. Um, assuming that those differences are rooted in a, in a Christian conviction, then the more you can know that you are probably being conformed to the image of Christ. So conforming to the image of Christ correlates highly with feeling different than the people around you on a Christian versus non-Christian level? What then I believe, <laughs> now I'm going to say I believe, because I'm not Jen Wilkin. Be charitable, because I don't feel charitable. I believe Jen Wilkin is trying to say that these experiences that she's highlighting, that her children are able, were able to have through the public education system, or, you know, just everyone generally, allow them to be exposed in a way to, to experience a more complete understanding of what it means, right, to to be a charitable Christian, a, a loving Christian, the image of Christ who loved all, you know, that, that See, level. When I think of the concept of being conformed to the image of Christ, I think of that in, the, in terms of like a, a progressive sanctification kind of way that we are to be conformed to the image of Christ and that we are constantly conforming to the image of Christ. Yeah. More so like so the, we can know objective ways to do that. You think like clear ones? Yeah, I mean, like, I just don't think rubbing elbows with a melting pot of people equals being an increase to the image of Christ. of Christ. Yeah, that, that, I mean, so, like, let's I mean, look there at There probably J- weren't a lot of transsexuals around when John was doing his ministry. Like, like <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Like, you look at Jen, you say, take, take uh, 2023 Norway. Like, Jen, is it possible for those people to be conformed to the image of Christ since most of their society is homogenous? It's just a bunch of other pasty white Norwegians? Like, how. How are they able to even like enfold into that? Right? Right. So you go to Is like, it even possible for them to love their neighbors? Like is it possible for an indigenous group of people in Australia to become conformed to Christ? Their whole community, their whole small community is a bunch of, you know, heterosexual um in, indigenous activity. That's all it is. Like can they become conformed to Christ since they don't have a good mixture, right? Of of interactions with other shared human experience. So it's not possible for them to really conform truly more completely. Or, or they just can't. Yeah, they can't. They can't do it to a to a more full extent. It's an incomplete kind of situation. It's just questions to ask for Jen. Just questions just for Jen. Very interesting things because these are and again, these are reasons why Jen thinks that you should, if at all possible, put your kids in public school. This isn't even this. This argument is not. You know, it's okay if your family chooses public schooling. It, this is an affirmative stance to send your children to public education. We, we must uh, just can't forget that. Um, and that means being a soft presence, not being a necessarily. <laughs> well, boy, do I agree with that. <laughs> it's just nothing, nothing says soft presence more than the gospel. I mean, we've <laughs> highlighted. <laughs> Look, uh, but I mean, what she's trying, and this is where she's trying to go with this. Like, you have to be a very involved parent if you're going to, kids going to be in public education, which right. we fully agree with. Yes. Like, we, we have said before that if you are only able to use public school as the option for ch- educating your child, that doesn't mean you have less involvement. That actually means you have more involvement because it requires you not only to teach your child right at home when you ha- when you're with them, but it also is going to require you to know what your child is being taught, how your child is being taught, and who is teaching your child. And you're going to have to know all of those things so that you can then unpack that at home. So you don't get to be less involved; you get to be more more involved. 
you know, it home homeschooling and public education pretty much take the same. If you're going to do that well, they take the same amount of time as a parent to engage with what's actually going on for your child's education. And if you're not going to be willing to spend the amount of time homeschooling, the question you have to ask is, am I willing to be able to invest that amount of time at public at um at my public school board meetings? Am I willing to invest that amount of time in seeing what the what the um, class rubrics are and the at the the lesson rubrics are for my, my kid's classroom. Am I a, a room mother? Am I a room father? Am I engaged in field trips? I'm, like, like there's, <laughs> you're still going to be involved. You don't just get to pass it off. Anyway, they'll talk about that later. I'm sure we're, 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 we're taking a long time here. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're almost through her opening arguments. Oh, thank heavens. And we've only been talking for 35 minutes and we can just let Dr. Pennington go. <laughs> I do think one of the misconceptions about Christian parents who send children to public school is that we've sent them there to be missionaries, to be salt and light. I, I'm going to let her finish, but I just want to say that the reason that many people think that about public school parents is that we have been told directly by the public school parents that the reason that they are sending their children to public education is so that they can be salt and light. But she is saying emphatically that is not the reason. It's, an, it's a misconception. Right. But she's saying it's a misconception, meaning people think this and it's not true. Oh, no. I think what she, I thought what she meant was parents think this that send their kids to public school and it's not true. <laughs> you think, oh, you think she's saying that. Okay. All right. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I do. Send children to public school is that we've sent them there to be missionaries? Is that we've sent them to be. Right. Just her, though. Like, she can't speak for everybody, right? That's not right. So she can't actually say it's a misconception for everybody because some people do think that, right? I mean, it seems to be what she's applying. But she's applying it to everybody, which is which is not good. You can't actually do that. She, she shouldn't do that. Yeah, she should say it's not a good idea to do that well, and move I forward. Mean, I feel like perhaps some criticism is probably welcomed and definitely not I will say, context. I will say when you hear why she thinks you should, if you can, send your kid to public school, it actually is this reason. <laughs> it's to... It, it, it is this reason. It is to be salt and light, it, just not directly about Jesus giving the gospel, but about making sure the public school has the necessary resources and making sure the education stays high for other less fortunate people. It is still this reason. She just doesn't make it about the gospel directly. Right. It's the salt and light that... so <laughs> Of society. <laughs> so she's doing it backwards. She's trying to get gospel... She's trying to get cultural... She's trying to bring change to the culture without bringing change to the hearts of the people, and mm -hmm. that's just not how it... All right, carry on. To be salt and light. And I crack up about that because the kids were actually involved in a Bible study at the school there in high school that was called Salt and Light. And I was like, <laughs> almost, <laughs> but, like uh, almost like people but think the that. The reality was we sent them there for an education. We are supposed and, to be salt uh, and light, we knew Jen. That we would have a role <laughs> as their parents, probably, in being salt and light. And we assumed that if they grew into their faith and, and did, in fact, you know, become God, believers and then. Um, mature into that, that there would be that influence. But we were not trying to send a second grader into a secular space to share the good news. Uh, we, we, we wanted to train our kids into that so that anywhere they went, that became something that was intuitive. But we didn't, we were not on mission in that sense uh, in the local school. See, here's the problem. And this is why when I was chatting with you before we started this endeavor, this is why I think that Jen Wilkin probably has never seriously considered what education is and what her role as a Christian parent is in it, it, in it is from the scriptures because anyone who's anyone should know that education is not neutral. That 
that yes, you can mitigate by having a strong family presence and investing in exactly the ways that you just described by putting the work in, um, you can mitigate a lot of these worldview issues. Um, but the problem is, is that these kids aren't going their blank slates and coming out blank slates, coming back to your home. And that's not what you were contending for. The reason you have to work so hard is because the education that they're receiving is contrary to, is, is anti-God. Yes. In statist education is anti-God. Wherever it is, you have to be, I mean, you have to qualify it. Like, where it's interacting with with the laws of of physics and and objective math, like these things, it's not messing up. But anywhere it intersects with, they literally say that two plus two can equal five. Now, Justin, that's not it's, everywhere. You got to be really. No, she's, not, not she is right that, but, that that is actually a relative minor minority opinion still inside of public education. Right, but so but so was transgenderism for no, years. No, I agree ago. with you. So I think we also have to. We have. You're not getting me to disagree with you. I'm just saying I don't want to hope. Pay, I don't want to i don't want to give any credence where she has a point to allow her to think she's gained a foothold she hasn't because anywhere it touches emotions or value-based statements and instruction it does not come from to them with a biblical framework of the sovereign god at all and therefore all of those things must be re-educated at home appropriately towards truth and so even if they even if they're able to walk away with a good concept of geometry you still have to break down and rebuild their understanding of the psyche of the human soul <laughs> like it doesn't matter <laughs> right and i mean and that that's why i think that there's some misunderstanding yes okay so i hear her saying that she's not sending her kids to missionaries in the school which i wholeheartedly believe i don't think that she i don't think she's being duplicitous with us i don't think she's lying to us but but she, I, I would hope that she would re- also understand that that the content that her children are receiving are is is often contrary to what a biblical worldview of events are. Take almost anything regarding biology, especially especially in terms of biology prior to whatever's happening to the thing that you're examining right now. So any sort of evolutionary process that would have to lead up to any, any origin theory any, is is based holistically on human perspective perceptions but, but not even origin theory how we interact with things we have to interact with things in an evolutionary type way and so it even affects it even affects it even affects science that you're doing now but i mean so there's that there's also the history component which is constantly being rewritten um and and all these other things i think it's it's becoming more and more i mean and they're starting at least in our school districts in our state they're starting um to talk about uh gender affirming education as early as kindergarten so while i appreciate while i appreciate what she's saying in a sense we also have to say yeah but they're they're not they're not welcoming them with 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 kitten whiskers and feathers and tickle fights they're they are attempting to indoctrinate your children and that hasn't to say that maybe four years ago in Dallas, Texas, schools were still relatively conservative and teachers were mostly Christian. And maybe that was all well and good for, for her four years ago in Dallas, Texas. But that was the very last time she had a child in the public education system was four years ago in Dallas, Texas, more or less. I don't know where exactly she lives, but she's from that area. Well, I mean, public schools in Texas could be very different from public schools in New Jersey. And right. So, but you when know, you live on the coast, the like you have to balance all that's being said. Like we like this is why 
it makes more sense to have a biblical framework where you can have an objective starting point than to go into it saying, well, you know, not all districts think that. And, you know, most teachers are perfectly fine and they're not, you know, crazy, you know, atheistic, hedonistic, you know, (laughs) humanistic trolls. Like most of them are wonderful people that will educate your child deeply on this, the value of true history. Okay, sure. But you're not in Los Angeles where they spend more money than the Lord has made and still can't educate children to read. Like you're not, you're not living in, uh, in, in Newark, New Jersey. You're not there. You're not in Camden or Trenton. You're not there. I mean, New Jersey spends one of the highest dollar amounts per student per year of any state in the union. And we still, in terms of comparatively speaking, are regularly being outperformed by not only other nations, but of our own nation's past. <laughs> well, that's just true of almost every school district in America right now. The right. nation's past. New Jersey spends 26000 over $26,000 per student per year, not including transportation to us. Like, you can't just map what she's saying into Seattle, Washington. It's not right. possible. So you have to, you, that's why if you start with a biblical principle, right. that's going to be objectively true no matter where you live. I wonder if we'll so, get to Sir uh, Yeah, I hope we get to it at some point, because at some point I got to go. Yeah. I can't sit here all day and do this. It is quite fun. I do enjoy it. Yeah, they all graduated um, from the public school system with an overwhelmingly positive experience and with um, with a world class education. And they went on to go to pub to a large public university as well after that. And um, we look back on it. And- I wonder if Tim Keller's son did too. You know, the guy that posts some pretty crazy stuff on Tim Keller's account sometimes. Yeah, I'm just asking. And I think now the question that I get most frequently is like, but you wouldn't do that now, right? Like knowing what you know now. Right. And uh, right? my answer would be that, yes, I would, oh, oh. because I know. It's, it's like that Star Wars Padme mm. meme. <laughs> like, right. You right. Would, you wouldn't send your kids right? to school now, right? Atkins <laughs> just looks at her. Right. Like, right? <laughs> <laughs> at, the, at this point, it's like, but Jen, like, let's just say <laughs> you got to make that meme. Like, let's just say you had a five-year-old right like a five-year-old in your house you're starting right now right like right you would like now you wouldn't do that right now right anyway good <laughs> wait i need to make the meme hold on i brought it up it's fine uh where is this okay what our school district is and isn't teaching and uh, what i see happening now around this conversation what she just said was yes she would send it because she knows what her their school district is and is not teaching is a great deal of misinformation and fear-mongering. Uh, this is all because of Donald Trump. I just would and I would that. like to know exactly how she knows. that. That's very important. You tell me you know. I mean, there are ways to know, but I need to know how. How did you get there, Jen? I mean, are there people in you know Loudoun County, Virginia, Well, one of the things she or? said is, well, we have somebody in that teaches in the district. I'm like, okay, does she teach your child? Does she teach any of your children? Has she ever taught any of your children? Well, then... You don't really know there, Jen. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, good. Sorry. I love the face of this Pennington guy. If you I do like, my, my I do just want to say, Woman of the Word is a great study if you want to get into the Word and know how to study it well exegetically. If, just watch someone, if you want to watch someone apply the principles, that this debate may not be the yeah, greatest. Nope. <laughs> Some of the things, even in our own district, that parents will say are being taught, I know are not being taught. Uh, and what I think is happening is people read an article about something that happened somewhere else. You mean of someone else's lived experience, Jen? Or they hear a story. There's a lot of hearsay that travels around about what is or isn't going on. 
And because we live in a time where fear is something that is leveraged at every turn, it takes root and they end up making a fear-based decision instead of an educated decision. Uh, I, I think there are legitimate there. things to be concerned about with a public school education, but but nothing nearly as important as loving your neighbor. Whether your district is actually the one that is implementing those things or not is something that you should get firsthand information on. I agree with that. I have heard about from someone else. And I would also just urge uh, not to contribute to fear-mongering and hearsay if you're a parent who's trying to make those decisions. I if you're reading an article that clearly says what was taught, like let's say in the New Jersey um, health code guidelines. When you're reading that, like, I don't need another source. That's the source. That's what they're telling students they must teach at their, at each prescribed grade level. Or when you read that this is, or, or when you're on TikTok, not that you're on TikTok, but when you somebody else who is stupidly on TikTok has already aggregated all these clips of teachers saying things, and you can find out, oh, this teacher's in Texas. Oh, this teacher's in Vermont. Oh, this teacher's in, and they're, wildly lying about all manner of reality because they have accepted a the culture of lies and subjective reality. You can feel pretty good about like, I don't need a mother firsthand resource. Like this is what this teacher says. And then when you actually understand history, Jen, you can understand why teachers teach that way. It's because our higher education institutions were taken over by Marxists, right? From the Frankfurt School beginning back in the uh, the 30s and 40s when they came over during the World War World War II. So like like you start examining like, oh, that's how higher education is going. That's who is instructing our teachers. And that's why we have teachers videos on TikToks where they're saying, I came out to my students today and it was so amazing. They were so affirming and they all love me for who I am or who I think I am today. And I may think differently tomorrow, but this is what they've accepted now. And hopefully when I change it again, they can accept that too. Like, like we have these TikTok videos. We've seen them <laughs> inside the classroom. Here's my classroom. It's gayer than gay's ever been gay. Look at all the rainbows. And I just keep thinking like, Noah will kill you. <laughs> my my <laughs> kindergartners <laughs> pledge allegiance to the gay flag. Yeah, they were confused for the first little while. Now they think it's fine. Now I've got them believing it's the American flag. <laughs> these are my kids. Oh my gosh. Anyway. All right, all right, stop, stop. Recently uh, put some information on this perspective up in my stories on Instagram. And I don't spend enough time on Instagram for the algorithm to feed me a lot of attention. And so when I say that I got hundreds of DMs in response to what I put up in support of public schools, that is not. I wonder if they're gonna, I wonder if they're gonna take her down and not affiliate her with the Village Church for the amount of DMs she's getting on Instagram. <laughs> I wonder if any of those came from a man she was involved with, or knew tacitly. That her husband and also the other man's wife also, also knew. knew that they were, she was being DMed. Sorry. Not normal for me. Church and discipline. Or some all of them some were view from of it. Christian teachers in the public Call schools CD light. who said, I have been vilified and maligned by my Christian community because I teach in the public schools. All right, all right pause this. Don't do that. Like, that's not right. You don't vilify people for their, their choice. You can talk to them. You can encourage them. You can nurture them towards maturity in Christ. And I think we've, we've been able to do that with just about everyone that instructs in, in education in our school. But we're not going to vilify them. Like, I'm like, you know what? You're an evil sinner because you're, you're, you're showing up at the Church of Satan every day and sacrificing babies on the altar. Like, that's not what we're, that's not what, you don't do that. 
Right. I mean, we've we've and I think we've clarified this in, in past podcasts because we have literally well, we had at, at one time three public educators in our church in our small church four. Well, we currently have three and now we ha- we used to have four. Um but yeah, the the conversation is is always um, you can critique the public education system certainly without vilifying every each and every individual teacher, because I do have very good faith that m- most, I would probably say most teachers go into it because they want kids to have better lives. Yeah, and like if you really wanted to like bring salt and light into the public education system, I would say stop sending your kids and start training uh, educators and send in full grown adults who understand apologetics into the public education system. Now, you're going to have to have a huge bench because they're going to keep getting fired, but you just keep throwing them in there. (laughs) And eventually, you probably start to see the public education system start to change. But, but is that actually what Jen wants to see? That's the question. We're not even to that part oh, yet. Man. Like you we have to get to it, it today. No, no, we're gonna have to <laughs> wrap this up at some point. This may be a four-part you episode. Know you know what? It's kind of funny. Mm. And and I I would I would assume that this is not true of, of Christians who decide who get education degrees and okay. go into because Christians are different. Correct. Uh, or should be different. Amen. Uh, but ironically, do you know what the lowest scoring college degree is? Yes. What is it? Education. No, it's not. Oh, dang. It's social work. Do you know what the second lowest? <laughs> I do know that that the uh, the degree that carries with it the lowest burden of requirement and involvement is education. <laughs> yes, they're also the second lowest scoring high school. It's not that it, it's not and it's not that you're not involved because you do have to go into your practicum. You have to go into the public classroom. That's part is really involved. It's the level of scholastic involvement that you have to have to become an educator is much less. I mean, we've heard. I've I've heard from teachers, just personally, that it's mostly about like classroom management, not right. And now it depends because if you're going to go ahead and teach high school, you have to actually have a bachelor's in that subject area. Right. Um, so at that point, you have to, which is why there's, which is why it's hard to find math teachers, because once you've got your bachelor's in math, you're an engineer. <laughs> you just don't go like, I'm going to sign up to make way less money, or I'll just go to school for one more year and make way more money. <laughs> Uh yeah so anyway sorry yeah we've got she about done yet here gee whiz she's just rambling now man it's uh, we've got four more minutes of her talking and we've got not a lot of minutes left of our time of our life for this episode I mean so I think one of the things I would love to have entered into this conversation is that while I cannot tell you to put your children in public school and certainly never would because there are so many factors that are at play that it is important for us to understand that um, our decision regarding this and even our demeanor toward this has an impact on our community. It doesn't just impact our family. Uh, the most common phrase I hear thrown out in these conversations is, well, I just need to do what's best for my family. And I think that's something that as Christians we have to push back on. Um, Philippians tells us each of you should look not just to your own interests, but to the interests of others. And th- uh, does that have a context? Uh, p- probably not. <laughs> the answer is yes, it does. And who? who are you, whose interest are you supposed to look out for? Not your own. Yeah, that would be Ephesians uh, chapter 2. Yeah, that's Ephesians chapter 2. Right yeah, before... It's in, well, it's in Philippians 2. Oh, that's Philippians 2. Sorry. 
Ephesians chapter two is not where that is. It's in Philippians chapter two, right before we get the out, we get the hypostatic union passage. You know, God or Jesus doesn't believe his 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 God Godhood is something to be grasped. Right before that, in Philippians chapter two, are you there yet? Philippians two verse four is where it says that uh, let each of you look not only to his own interests but also to the interests of others. So, so starting back in verse one, there you go. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete, complete my joy, complete my joy, being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. There's a specific context. The context is Paul talking to the church at Ephesus and telling them that they... (laughs) Why do I keep doing this? Because we're studying Ephesians at Night's Group and I can't get out of it. (laughs) We haven't left chapter one. It's been a month. Um, Because he's telling the Philippian church that this is how they need to treat each other. This is how they should treat each other. Put the other person's needs first. But she wants to say that you should put strangers in your town's needs ahead of your own children. Or even the children of the other, uh, even the even the children of your other of church, the stranger church members. Right. Even right. Well. That, sure. Like at some point you have to also know that God's called you to, she's given those kids to you. He's entrusted them to you. You are responsible to God for the care of those children. So like you have to balance that thinking. Certainly I'm going to, as often as I can put the needs of others ahead of my own. But the first people God's given me to put the needs ahead of my own is my wife and my kids. They're the first ones. And then the next people are my extended family and my church family. Like, that's it. That's that's who I put ahead of my own needs. Not like Sarah Bodinkin that lives, you know, six blocks away. I'm like, you know what? I should I should find out. I should do this just in case it would put her child's needs ahead of my own. Just in case. Because I don't know. But it might. <laughs> like, that's not how this verse works. Hmm. Anyway. So do you think we should table this and uh, go ahead and get Dr. Pennington's views next time? I mean, we're going to have to. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we still have three more minutes of Jen's personal feelings on the matter. Oh, gosh. I say personal feelings because literally all she's done is... Well, I'm willing to give her five time. more minutes of my time. Oh, really? Yeah, let's go. Maybe we can get through it. There's no such thing as a decision that's made just for our families. In fact, sure there is. What color uh, shirt my kids are going to wear today? Act. Even having the gift of the decision at all means that you're a person with more choices than some people. And those who don't have a choice of where they will educate their children will be impacted by your presence, your adult parent presence, not being in the public schools because you've chosen to go somewhere else. Uh, We can look back in not too recent history on this and see the impact of when a large number of Christian parents decide to opt out of the system and how it impacts those who are left behind. And so I do think it's very important for us to understand that while, yes, we do what... Because it does probably exactly what I want (laughs) to have happen to the education. Yeah, it gets really horrible. (laughs) (laughs) All the resources dry up. If just the Southern Baptists pulled all of their children out of the public education system at one time, it would collapse and we would have to completely redo the education system in America, which I think... 
maniacal laugh is the exact thing that needs to happen. <laughs> what is best for our families, we don't do so in a vacuum. We understand that what we do for our family always impacts the community around us and that we should look to the welfare of the city in which we live and that there are a lot of ways to do that, even if I, I realized that she keeps talking because I think that she realized that she dug herself into a hole. She's like, how do I just explain this? I just got to keep talking and talking and talking. Dr. Pennington's like, uh, well, here's Deuteronomy 6. And uh, well, (laughs) go ahead, Jen. What do you think about that? (laughs) My kids cannot go into my public schools. And I I do know what that looks like. You know, I I have a brother who lives in a very rural setting. Um, I do know what that looks like. But even if I realize that my own children will not be going to those education spaces, how can I, as a person who cares for the widow and the orphan, who cares for the fatherless, how can I be a person who still maintains a giving presence in that space? How do I support the teachers? How do I support the administrators? How can I volunteer in ways that are... I'm almost positive that those passages are still within the context of a local church. I mean, like, I'm also okay with what she's saying here. Like, oh, if you don't send your kids, you should still know what's going on locally. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. for example, I know that my school board is now dramatically changed from what it was when I started, from when I first went to the, the board meeting. Remember when I went to the board meeting? Mm-hmm. Like, as of today, as of that day, there was one conservative board member, and they put him in transportation. That's what they they, they relegated him to. <laughs> now, after several after several election cycles... He's the president of the school board, and there's three other conservative members on the school board of a five-person board. So, like, now guess who's in charge of transportation? <laughs> it's the crazy president of former president of the Wow World Women's World Organization. She can go to transportation because we're not going to let her do um, textbooks anymore. <laughs> like, is, that where, is that where there were rainbow school buses? <laughs> that's not. That's not true. That, that's an over exaggeration. There was no rainbow school buses. They're going to bring life into a system that does serve the last and the least. Uh, even if I can't convictionally say I could put my own. She's 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 not helping. Here I am trying to abolish government education, and here she is feeding the system. Tink. Oh, that's the sound of her shovel hitting a rock. She keeps digging. <laughs> Kids there, and then just in closing, I would urge charity. And I know that these are good faith discussions, not bad faith ones. So I'm going to just think that this is a good place to be able to just acknowledge that there is a way to follow our convictions for our family. If you watch the video, you can see that guy have to kick him to wake him back up. (laughs) Oh, Oh, right. I have to malign the decisions of others in doing so. Um, Particularly when it comes to public school, I think we're... Of of the public, private, or homeschool options, I think we're the punching bag right now. Um, there's well, people no reason their that we wouldn't support teachers and, who love the Lord, who have stayed convictionally in those well, spaces. Course, yes. There's no reason. And yet that's, you know, they hear things like the hellscape that is the public schools. That's one of the epithets that I've heard. I mean, out there. <laughs> look, oh my here, gosh, all right, this is the last thing. And then I'm done. I'm, I'm out. Like, but here's the thing. <laughs> so here's bad. the thing. Like I'm done. I'm doing, I'm good with Jen. I just want to get to Dr. Pennington next time. And then, but here's the thing. I'm not upset with you. And Jesse and I may differ on this. Like, I believe that there's a way to send your child to public education. I do. And I believe sometimes that's where you're at. And I think Jesse and I can disagree on that and it be okay. Like, there's no, the world isn't over. And and also, I believe that if you're going to do that, the bar is incredibly high on you. So you, you, you are going to have to, you're required to be engaged. That's not where the big issue is. Just because, just because... (laughs) I can disagree. I can say, like, 
that that is still the least my, that is my actual least preferred method for anyone to go if they can possibly avoid it avoid it like right. avoid it I'm the opposite of Jen whereas Jen says if at all possible we should I'm saying if at all possible don't do that <laughs> because until we can actually incorporate and change it this is where it's going and it's not going good amen yeah, I think we should. We should probably. Just, we should probably just stop. <laughs> I think this is plenty for you to think about. We're not saying it's There's wrong. There's only for, one more minute over. None here. of it. No. Nope. Right. We're not judging you if you send your kid to public school. That's not what the goal at all. In fact, if you need resources to help engage in ways and methods on how to engage, we actually outlined that in our third episode of this podcast ever we ever did was on education and ways in which you need to be involved in the three different formats, whether public, private, or homeschool. So anyway, that's the here there. Next week, we'll do Dr. Pennington's response and hopefully dive into some of these topics. Yay. Yay. But until then, we hope that you, dear Christian, will seize the faith. faith.